0: Hey everybody, welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. I'm John Burke and with me from across the pond, safe and tucked away from the hurricane that I'm about to deal with, Matt Hudson from what I watch night.co.uk. Matt, how you doing, sir?
1: I am doing well, Jay. But yeah, there's a, there is a slight wind and a chill in the air and a little bit of rain over here. And that's about all we've got, nothing compared to what you guys are facing. So of course, uh, from this side of the pond, hopefully it passes without incident. Uh, and yes. event will be sending sending all the good luck across the pond. I know it 's not much, but it's the best we can do at the minute um,
0: yeah
1: uh, hopefully may may hopefully tonight 's film we speak about gives us a little bit of a something to take your mind off what's going on, but we'll talk about that in a minute, but you yeah, know i'm I'm doing well, my yeah. friend over here can 't complain too much. I have a cup of tea, uh like i say it's a chill almost autumn evening so we're getting to the time now of psl's pumpkin spice lattes pumpkin everything Ugh. everything's gonna be orange soon but we ain't there yet but almost but i'm good how about yourself my friend you keeping florida safe and well
0: yeah, uh you know i'm doing my best uh obviously as i mentioned we have hurricane i i Ida- i i don't even remember it starts with an i we're on i already it's yeah. august it's an i um,
1: did they go up alphabetically then by name
0: They do. A A through I uh, is what we've already... Now, that doesn't mean they all hit us. Obviously, they have not. This is the first one we're actually dealing with this year. Um, And I don't... uh, I was always under the impression hurricanes only started in the Atlantic, and then the one that just hit California should not have been called a hurricane. But I don't understand. It's not happened really before, so maybe I was just always assumed. I always thought everything in the Pacific was called a monsoon, and if it was over here, it was a hurricane. I guess I've been wrong, um, which is not unusual. Uh, Sometimes you have thoughts as a kid and you just believe them to be truth. And it's not until something presents itself. Otherwise that you're like, oh, oh, so that's not the thing. So, um, yeah, the thing that stinks is, folks, we almost didn't get to record today, not because of the hurricane, but because of a regular storm two nights ago hit uh, lightning. One of the loudest thunder moments of my existence, like it shook stuff off our walls it felt like an explosion happened, but it, it wasn't. But we did uh, lose our, our modem to lightning. And then it turned out it wasn't just the modem. It actually fried the whole cable. Um, so I had to have a technician come out, which they were like, we're coming out Wednesday. Wednesday is when the hurricane's coming. So I'm like, you're not, you're not going to come Wednesday. I need you to come before that because if you don't, there's no way you're coming Wednesday. Like, that's just not going to mm-hmm. happen. So it'll be like five days where I have no internet, which for maybe some people is fine for me i do so many things that rely on internet access that having it uh removed was stressful so much so matt that last night on uh monday night because we're recording this on tuesday i i i went to bed at eight o'clock not on purpose like i at eight o'clock i fell asleep in my chair because i was only using my phone because nothing else worked mm-hmm. and then i woke up at like eight forty. uh help my daughter with something. And then I was like, you know, I'm just, I'm going to go to bed. And I went to bed and I slept until like four, I haven't slept that long in a while. So apparently I just actually needed to disconnect from the internet, um, to allow my, my brain to upload apparently. So, um, I I'm hoping our internet access is, is, uh, going full speed. It's hard to tell, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's not good prepping for a hurricane having just gone through like, some other type of outage. Cause I am, t- I'm terrified uh, of, uh, you know, we've had some bad hurricanes over the last six years and I'm hoping that this one is not one of them, but it's always stressful when they're coming.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed it doesn't. You sound good on this end, and I'm sure the listeners are uh, sitting there saying, you're goddamn right, you sound as good as ever. But, um, hey, look, a uh, disconnection is probably something we should all should do. And when you were saying you went to bed, or oh, to sleep, sorry, should I say, at 8 p.m., I thought, god damn that. You know you're at a certain age where you think, man, that sounds so damn appealing. <laughs> the idea of getting 8, 8, 8, 8 p.m. and then waking up at 8 a.m., oh, 12 hours of good sleep. But the thing oh, is, I do that, I- and then I feel even more tired the next day
0: i woke up at 5 a.m but that's still not you know it was still for me it was still like a lot of sleep because i usually go to bed at, like 11 11 30 even and then i get up at 5 um and lately yeah. i've been getting up at like 4 40 my body's like you'll get up earlier i'm like i guess
1: uh and it's on my phone <laughs> it says like 4:47, and i'm like damn that's midnight your end but then i've sent you a message at <laughs> uh, 9 yeah. p.m your time and you sit and you're saying what the hell are you doing up man
0: yeah there are many times where i'm like are you actually awake like what are you doing <laughs> like, sometimes, yeah, uh, late bloomer. but uh yeah folks uh we're we're, we're both doing our thing in our, our respective countries matt's uh luckily tucked away safely i'm i'm hopeful we do have the day off tomorrow and i'm hoping it's going to be one of those um sometimes when they cancel school for a hurricane it's it's it turns out to have been like a wasted, it should have been a school day, right? Like it was a drizzle kind of thing. I'm hoping it's going to be one of those types of hurricanes and not the one where I'm I'm bunkered and terrified and hopeful that the roof doesn't come off. Because uh, you never know. It could be either. And you just have to wait it out and hope for the best. Yep. But yeah, that's my true story, Matt. We're not here to talk about that.
1: Okay, okay.
0: We're here to talk about Gran Turismo, colon, based on a true story depending on where you look now folks there are a lot of movies in history that are based on true stories and i can't think of another one that had it in its title um it doesn't mean they don't exist i just can't think of one is all i'm saying uh, it's mean? definitely not the norm
1: truth or da- no blumhouse's truth or dare that kind of rush ah,
0: no that one's yeah, the word truth might appear, but not usually in the context of it actually Mm -hmm. being a true story, right? It's usually like an afterthought or something. Um, And the reality here, uh, it it wasn't originally called based on a true story. I don't know why they felt the need to tack that on as the tagline, but like at my local theater, when I bought my ticket, it said Gran Turismo colon based on a true story. I was like, okay, we're doing that.
1: When it becomes part of the title, it's silly. Like uh, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. I know why he put that in there because of the film... The covenant. the covenant. But when it actually becomes the title, Gran Turismo Code, i based on a true story, you think, yeah, I'm not sure that's the best naming convention. It looks a little bit desperate.
0: And, of course, uh, one thing, we, we won't get into all of it, but uh, any time a film says it's based on a true story, most people have come to understand that there's a lot of liberties taken in a, especially mm-hmm. a fictionalized or dramatized version of, of the true story there's going to be things that were not documented properly and obviously there's things that you assume like dialogue was not being written down as it was said so you know there's that's of always an exaggeration or whatever but from what i've heard that they've taken some extreme liberties with the story here to be called based on uh but this is the newest film from neil blomkamp whose name i cannot get right uh blomkamp i'll
1: go blomkamp yeah
0: Okay, it's it's got a K instead of a C, but uh, you might know him from films such as District Nine, Elysium, oh, Chappie, and then I I've, I definitely have forgotten the one in between that and this, which is what demonic, demonic, and then I think he did name some kind of film not show him. or something.
1: Yeah, nah, he's um, a lot some
0: rubbish. This movie has three credited writers from IMDb. There's probably more. Uh, Jason Hall, Zach Balin, and Alex Set. How do you do the TSE to? This... Uh, let's
1: have a look. I was just going to leave C. that one to uh to you, C. JB. I but, butcher? um, butchered it well. <laughs> I, I, I I usually think it's like like C, like a personality That yeah, okay. could be. I wasn't
0: terrible. That. That's what that's what I was thinking. But I, I'm no, I terrible with that. Uh, uh, we've got a cast here, uh, some good people and some people, interestingly cast. David Harbour, Orlando Bloom, um, Archie Medique.
1: Medique, yeah.
0: Medique. Um, who's our main characters, but he's billed third. Uh Takahiro Hira, Darren Barnett, Jerry Horner, aka, mm. Jerry Halloway, right? And Julie Halliwell, yeah. Jerry, sorry, Jelly. Jerry, Jerry Halliwell, aka, AKA Ginger AKA Spice. Ginger Spice playing his mom for some reason, and then her husband in the movie, uh, and his father, Dejuman Hansu, who is way too high a caliber actor for the role they put him in in this movie. Um The synopsis, and this is a, a very rough read here for me, based on the unbelievably, sorry, unbelievable, inspiring true story of a team of underdogs, a team of underdogs. And here I'm going to break us down a struggling working class gamer, that's our main character, Jan, a failed former race car driver, that it would be David Harbour's character, and, remember, an underdog folk an idealistic motorsport executive because it's easy to say any executive is an underdog all right um who risk it all to Mm -hmm. take on the most elite sport in the world um elite in the fact that it costs a lot of money I would imagine more so than obviously talent too, for sure. No way am I, I don't think I could do what these guys do, but it's also one of those sports where like, it's not for everybody, which is a theme. The movie hits home pretty hard. Um, The ratings, how do people like it? Well, critics 60%, which I got to say a little shocking to me. Is that high 98% RT audience score 46 meta score, which sounds much more accurate to me. Uh, 7.3 IMDB user score. 3.4 3.4 on Letterboxd. Also, a little surprised at that that score on Letterboxd, unless it's recently gone down. Um, it is finally in theaters everywhere, because Sony did this really weird release slate where it came out limited release like two weeks ago, and then it went a little wider, and then here. After marketing this movie for months, they they like backpedaled and delayed its full release. I don't know what happened. Um, it's one of the weirdest things, and of course, they also added the, uh, b- based on a true story, into the posters and marketing and stuff. So it was pretty weird. Um, so I like district nine. That pretty mm-hmm. much sums up my opinion of Blomkamp. I've not fully seen Elysium. I saw like three quarters of Elysium and I, I've only seen clips of Chappie. Um, I've seen a lot of clips of Chappie. Like I know the movie, like I've seen the, the, from beginning to end kind of thing. I just have not watched it from beginning to end. Um, and I, I just, I don't think I can. Uh, I, Actually, keep forgetting Demonic's a movie, so I, I haven't seen that. I went into this movie with no expectations of Blomkamp. Uh, I like David Harbour. I like him a lot. Like, Hopper was one of my favorite parts of Stranger Things, especially season one. Like, the first scene where he's introduced, love that scene. The whole mornings are for coffee and quiet contemplation is like my life motto. So, <laughs> big fan of him. I keep wanting him to pop in a major picture. I did like him in. Um, the uh santa claus movie that i'm not gonna remember what it's called um from this oh, year.
1: oh uh jingle but no um
0: Deadly i do you mean no that's another movie silent See, night. A, night silent night's a different horror film though right like i don't know it's something I'm like find that. It out in the
1: background i'm gonna yeah. shout it out in a minute
0: i i really like that film i thought that was probably his best leading performance so far uh he obviously got sadly cast as hellboy and that movie was Jesus an atrocity me. um Final night to, Violent Night, that's exactly. what it was. I knew it was some kind of play with Silent Night. I just couldn't movie, remember because there's remember. other horror movies with Silent Night in the title. Um, horror Christmas movies, I guess you will. Uh, you could say. Um, I had very low expectations for this film. I do like a racing movie, though, man. Like um, Ford vs. Ferrari, which culminates in the same race that culminates this film, the Le Mans. Um, Love Ford vs. Ferrari. I thought that movie was incredible. I was really into it. Um, there's one we covered i don't know if we ever actually did the episode but uh one of the years that we were doing for um, astrology there was a race car movie grand prix i think is what it was called um yes and oh. that like the, the actors did all the driving like it was insane like they took huge yeah, yeah, yeah. risks to do this movie and uh it's from 1966 i think that's the year we stopped on we never actually recorded the episode if i remember I correctly the but
1: next one which will be coming one day guys
0: yeah We've been waiting on it for, I think, literally two to three years at this point. But one day, we will record it. Um, but uh, that movie was like three hours long, too. But I, I loved it. Like, I was so into the, all the race sequences were shot so well. I mean, even as a kid, Days of Thunder was a film that just, like, clicked for me. And I don't know why, but I really liked it as a kid. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I, literally, I saw it in theaters as a kid. Never seen it again. But I remember it. And... so like racing movies generally work for me. Um, I like it's, it's obviously very simple, uh, conflict. You know, you have the race car drivers and personalities in the racing industry. can be there. I mean, geez, I even, I like cars one and three a lot because it's centered around the races. Um, and so i i went in with a lot of apprehension i'm like a movie that's based on a video game that's not really based on a video game because the va- the race car- the video game is based on actual race cars and it's supposed to be the best simulation of a racing game and i have played gran turismo it's been a minute i think i i think i really got into gran turismo 3 and i played that one a lot like when i got it like i mean i had i was racing all the time on it but i haven't played any of the other ones and um so, I, I and, and video game adaptation movies hit or miss, right? Like, mostly miss. There's a lot of misses, way more misses than there are hits. But we have seen an uptick in that, right? Like, recently video game movies have been getting a little better, um, especially compared to the older video game movies. So, I was like, okay, but it's not about the game. It's about the guy who used the game to become the thing that he did in the game. Maybe it'll be great. The writing in this movie is terrible. Like <laughs> especially the beginning, the amount of fabricated conflict that the film introduces in order for things to feel tense is is ridiculously bad. How he wins his opportunity to get into the tournament that will then get him into the racing school is some of the most contrived writing I can imagine in cinema. <laughs> the dude one anyone who's played video games knows that our accounts are gamer accounts that they have access to yeah sure sony has access to it because it is a exclusive sony game which by the way so much sony product placement in this film o- off the charts how much sony product placement is in this like there's an mp3 player i don't know what year this is supposed to be but they have like smartphones so it's not where people still have mp3 players you know what i'm saying like nope but nevertheless let's throw that out the window the kid is playing in gamer cafes now. I don't know, Matt, if in England gamer cafes are still really popular.
1: Well, this is in Cardiff, I believe, so Wales, which is
0: sorry, sorry, to
1: annoy our Welsh people. It's, it, it's 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 next to England. It's like a it's England's little cousin. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I've never come across one. I know we've had. Like, there are like retro gaming bars you can go to and yes. have a cocktail or a mocktail and play some yeah, old games. Yep, which, we have some of those gaming cafes here. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's now I've seen some like I know they do exist. It's just the way it's presented here is like it is like the thing and his account is apparently left on one of the machines at the, the gaming arcade. And that pops up only there, his invite to a thing like it wouldn't use his email attached to the gamer account to like, hey, you've been entered into this thing. Like it seems like the worst version of Willy Wonka. Like, that Sony has randomly put golden tickets into various video game cafes, and that's dumb. Right? Hands down. But then the, the movie fabricates why he's gonna be late to it. It's like, dude, we've seen the trailer. We know he gets it. Like, what are you doing? Yep. Wasting 20 minutes of this 2 hour and 15 minute movie setting up a scene that has no actual stakes because we are here to see him in the race. Like, don't waste our precious time. And I it's a small moment, but it's such a microcosm to the bad writing because it does feel like people who've like, we've seen movies. We'll just repeat various scenes from other movies and it will feel good. And it doesn't to me. Um, and the thing that I was the most aware of was during all of the races, I never felt any tension. I never felt like there was anything like at stake and that I don't understand why, um, It feels inherently that I should feel that conflict because it's a race. There are however many drivers going for the same prize. And part of it was because of the, I think, over stylistic nature of Blomkamp in those moments. There's so much editing, some over the top drone shots, some that are really great. Like there's some really strong visuals and then there's stuff that feels superfluous. And none of it was adding to the tension of the scene. Like it wasn't really building. It was just like, look, these are these things are happening. I'm like, okay. Um, and the amount of exposition dumps were like a character, like the guy's getting in the race car, and that is the time that we've decided to tell him all of the things he needs to know about the race he's getting into. It's like, shouldn't that have been like before the race, not as he's getting in the car? And this, these are all shorthand things we see in other films, and they often feel bad in other films, but it feels worse here when it's grounded in a true story because it's like no there's no way his his coach would be telling him any of this now we need a better training montage like that's if if we are supposed to see him become this driver i never feel like we get to see him become a good driver it's constantly just being told you have you have to work on endurance and salmon i think that line is said three times in this film you have to work on your endurance and salmon it's like okay show him doing that you don't It it's none of that like it's missing to me so many fundamental things in -hmm. terms of a sports movie that I, I I don't know if it's Blumkamp wanting to try to do something that feels different and failing, or if maybe he misunderstanding what those other films have done well. Um, But like, there's supposed to be tension with his family, right? Where we early on, the family doesn't approve of his dreams and his ambitions. And then they're gone for like an hour. Like, the whole time he's at the school, we never see them, like, mad that he's there or anything. There's no reference to it. And then, finally, he calls the mom. And there's, like, a quick call. And then, not again until a big race. And it's, like, it it wrecks the stakes because, like, I'm very aware. I'm, like, we haven't seen them for, like, an hour. And now we are, which means something is about to finally happen in this movie because otherwise we wouldn't have seen them clearly because they've had no significance to the plot and matt i hope i'm not stealing all of the thunder from you but the last I thing what? that really got to me was the crammed in love story
1: <laughs> i thought if, you would have if, loved that john the writing was attack of the clones level
0: if ever there was just a random need for a love story it's almost like no offense to the real guy Jan. Um, but maybe he never had a girlfriend, so when they were making a movie about his life, they're like, can I have a girlfriend? Now, I'm making a joke there about gamers that feels like it's from the 90s, because that's what this movie does about gamers as well. Every joke David Harbour's character throws at gaming is old man jokes about gamers. like The the idea that gamers are lazy and inactive is so false at this point, because gamers are everybody. There are lazy gamers, for sure, but there's also like fitness-level gymnasts who play games like athletes play games especially the number of athletes who play games that they are actually in is very high like football players love madden you know it's like yeah so it's it in those ways those jokes feel so dated and maybe that guy made those jokes it's it's probable realistically i guess if i'm being honest that would actually probably stack right but in a movie it felt like it was a ten-year-old bit. It's like, well, what's happening? Like, gaming is not what it used to be thought of. Um, all, all that to say, somehow, despite all of the negative things that I just said, I still didn't like hate this movie because it is competently made at times. But okay. those errors, those those mistakes, those missteps are abundant and very clear. Like when it's not working, it is so not working. But I, I actually thought Archie has really good st- uh, screen presence. Um, he's likable, and you want to root for him more so than you didn't. Mm-hmm. And I I think David Harbour is great. Uh, I really do like him, and I believed his despite having some of the worst dialogue, like giving him clunky exposition and even clunkier tension because he he like he quits one like racing group, and they try to fabricate a rivalry that never really pays off. I don't know. Maybe I hate this movie more than I thought. The more I'm saying things I'm like this movie really just didn't work. But yeah, I, I, I think there's just tons of problems. It is an interesting story. And if I, I was kind of shocked at parts of the, the quote unquote true story. Cause I'm like, how did I not hear about any of this? Like, I feel like I should have at least heard about the competition. I should have been aware that this was ever a thing. And it's, it's always a little shocking to watch a movie based on a true story and be like completely like unaware of any of it ever happening. Like I, I had no clue any of this existed. And if I did, it is gone. Like I don't remember. Like it didn't like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that. Nothing like there's no record recognition whatsoever. And also, though, what's up with Ginger Spice? Like Where did that come from? Why is she in this movie? I'm so confused. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Matt. I'd like to hear your thoughts on Gran Turismo. What have you got? uh
1: what you said basically <laughs> in a nutshell uh gran turismo this was uh one or two laps short of being grand to asmo' this is it's
0: just <laughs> it's
1: just my my mad well jerry halliwell jerry horner whatever um so on on the last week's episode i or when I mentioned that i'd seen it because it did come out uh one of the rarer cages it came out over here a couple of weeks earlier than it for the States. yeah so i'd i'd seen this and Uh, jerry halliwell is abysmal with this (laughs) she's only got about three minutes of screen time and all three of them uh made me want to pull my soul out
0: um there's one part that's real bad that would require a spoiler but it's all it
1: will require some just a little bit of emotion would be great um the so the um her she is married to the red bull uh one team owner christian horner or the the team director so there is a i knew there was some kind of racing correlation there so um she she probably knows more about racing
0: that's one of the first um tracks i think they're at is a red bull track
1: exactly so there's your product placement there as well got to get some of that in but but she probably knows more about cars than most of the people working on it because she's been i think she's been married to christian horner for nine years now maybe 10 years um but in in the film bloody awful uh, you, you might have worn a union dress jack for the brits 20 years ago but your acting is so bad um so the film yeah it's it's not great it, it isn't great guess what it's too long it's two hours and 15 minutes long mm-hmm. the crime the film commits in doing that though is it's it's just slow and ponderous mm-hmm. um the race scenes are so some of the scenes are pretty good some of them have uh, really good energy if not great editing at times but then the film or Blumkamp takes his really odd uh, start directorial stylistic decisions to stop in the middle of a race to have like the Gran Turismo overlay and it kind of text on the screen. and It Dude. stops everything. It, yeah. It, in the middle of a race, JB, this is meant what, to be the bit where yeah, people are meant to be on the edge of their seat and he stop, start, stop, start more than me when I was learning to drive. Um, so some of those are pretty good. I'm not going to pretend that they're not like some of the visual- visualizations are good. And uh, one of the major shots of scenes of the film, which is in the trailer, that's done well. And it's kind of like, believable in its destruction. Uh, and that's the mm. kind of one part of the film where you really kind of feel the weight of what is actually happening um, because there's right. nothing else in the film. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing else here, my, my man. That, Like you said, I, I, there's no tension because... We we the trailer gives away what happens, and anybody who is aware of the true story knows that you know the guy who's trying out for the GTA Academy, surprise, surprise, makes the academy.
0: And but I will say that I'll the, ta- oh, sorry, go on. I don't not mean to interrupt, but when I saw Hello. Lincoln, when I saw Steven Spielberg's Lincoln, which I constantly forget he directed, I That's am a, correct, right? A it is Yeah. Uh, well, here's yeah, the yes. thing. The end of that movie is is Daniel Day-Lewis as Lincoln sitting in the Oval Office waiting to find out if the amendment passes, right? And it's cross-cutting between the the Congress and him sitting in a room. And I was so tense during that sequence. And yet, I live now. I know the amendment has passed. You know what I'm saying? Like I know beyond a shadow of a doubt the result of that scene but because of a competent filmmaker i felt the tension and that's it, the issue it's 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 not just knowing that takes away the tension it's how it's constructed with that information as well and that's this movie should have had us on on edge of our seats multiple times but it's so hung up in these weird stylistic choices like and they're inconsistent because at times we see over the cars the number of where they are in the race like you would in the video game and then other times it like freezes and says number 24 it's like why are you mixing it up pick one stay just, in a lane do that, yeah yeah it's yeah just, and that, that's so it, many things like just, that it's just choices like you say exactly exactly like that there,
1: there are other film. i mean this is a sports uh, underdog film it follows mm-hmm. every single cliche trope convention Ugh. you can throw at this. So therefore, once you go into the film, you know, what's going to happen when they start um, building up these moments, like, Oh, we've got to finish in this position or we've got, if you, if you don't make this and you don't get this and you know, damn well, what's going to happen. It's a, it's an underdog film. You know, it is going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I, a lot of directorial choices just did not work for me. the, the best part, I'll say the best, but the most interesting part of the film was, which was spoil in the marketing and despite the fact it's a real story, but it's a whole, the whole gamer becomes a, a race car driver. That is the most interesting aspect of the film. And when Jan actually transitions to becoming a, a, an a- actual driver, it's much less interesting after that. It just becomes a racing film. And I didn't really care because it was just fast cars going fast. And... The, the screenwriters and Blomkamp having to try to desperately conjure up narrative ar- around that. And what they did give us was mind numbing. Like you mentioned that, um, the romance, the wrote I felt so bad for, um, I remember the actress's name now, uh, Maeve Courtier Lily who's Audrey. I mean, man, she's just in this. I don't know why she's in this for eye candy. I don't know what, but she's, it's, it's a shallow thing ever. And, She's in, she's introduced to us by being mansplained to by Yan when mm-hmm. she's like, oh, "What's that game you've got on your phone?" Like, it's not a game; it's a racing simulator. Okay, that's a, that would be my cue to be like, "Yeah, you're not my type." Yeah, he still gets to go, yeah. uh, and even during the film, she's absent for most of it, apart from when the film decides. He's looking-
0: or yeah, he's, he's looking at her Instagram. Yeah. He's
1: creeping on her Instagram. And even Orlando Bloom's characters somehow knows he's doing that as well, which is probably because he's doing it as an underdog himself. But, um, so that was awful. They tried to conjure up this rivalry with, um, with this guy called Nicholas, who's played by Joshua Stradowski. Uh, he drives gold cars. You see John, which has champagne, yeah, very gold. their logo as their sponsor. You know, you, you got, you got to show the disparity between the teams here. Um, None of that mattered. Doesn't matter whatsoever. And the fact that 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 character in reality didn't exist, so they literally put it, it in here for the you know what, um, Drago kind of situation.
0: Well, and they keep cutting to shots of I guess it's the the team manager like of that team. They like they'll cut Thomas to him Kretchman, like oh,
1: Thomas Kretschmann, sorry.
0: Yeah, but like th- there's it never pays off. Like it's not like later in the film, like the guy like walks up, I was wrong about you, or we should have listened to you. Like it just keeps showing like him looking kind of upset or worried or disapprovingly towards Harbor or towards Jan. And then like it's nothing. It's like, why is this in this? Like it, I get they tell us that, oh, people are going to give you hell because you're like an outsider. It's like, but they don't really develop that like i guess the one mechanic guy gives him crap a few times and then at the end of the film's like i accept you it's like what the whatever well, movie
1: nothing in this film made me think that was the case because um, yeah. the character of nicholas is there, there's nothing to him i mean if you if you, you want to have a just think about other um, sporting underdog films that the rival the antagonist at least felt like a threat they at least felt genuine or more than just a 2d characterization even if they were cheesily written uh, but here is just kind of we need to we need somebody to be the bad boy and uh, you know Stradowski tries but nobody in this film comes out with any credit apart from David Harbour as far as I'm concerned Harbour he he plays that kind of grizzled Mickey or Mister Miyagi kind of character very mm-hmm. well isn't he you know he's, he knows what film he's in but he embraces it and he he has the the gruffness about him to pull it off Orlando Bloom isn't bad he's very OTT um, he's just clearly having a lot of fun and probably getting paid very well for this. And um, I don't, I didn't think that Archie Medica was particularly bad. I just didn't think he had particularly any presence in the film. And as really? I, there wasn't really much to him or anybody else in the film, which made me think, uh, it's not that I didn't want him to succeed to your point that the good audience rooted for him. I was just like, he's, he's just a bit bland. And I, I think originally the film kind of set that up a little bit by making him very awkward, very socially awkward. And, Orlando Bloom's characters even having doubts about him joining the team. Maybe we should get the other guy instead. And that—that's kind of the only time we really feel like he's a bit of a jerk. Because otherwise, I think he kind of warms up to um, Jan quite quickly after that. But um,
0: yeah, so yeah, he's never like over the top. To be fair, I guess we should credit that they don't make him a true villain like he does a couple of things no, where you're like that's kind of shady but he's never he's not like,
1: reckless a, as he or obnoxious. he's he's aware yeah. of the risks and whilst he wants to succeed he's still very aware he's not you don't really see him sort of giving anyone sideways glances when they walk away or twiddling his hair in villainy when they walk away you know right that's not what he's about
0: so i guess that shows some restraint from the writing team which is impressive yeah, because it's so much
1: because they could they probably thought they didn't think to write that probably, but um what else i mean yeah so that's there, there's that so the racing scene is not bad david harbour's pretty he's good in this i think the story is outside of the racing is is horrible i really don't mm-hmm. like it um it is product placement central i really i really wanted to get into my nissan or listen to my sony walkman oh. put my playstation on buy gran turismo drink some red bull and have some moe and Shandon champagne it's just it, i said to you it's like wayne's world would look at this and bulk uh, but yeah, there's, there's not much really to this and there are moments in the film, which are placed in different chronology to how they happen in reality, which I think is tasteless. I don't like the fact that it's happened uh, in order to garner sympathy for the character and also act as a dr- uh, pun driving force for the third act of this film. I don't like it. They did it though. Um, and also just to reverence as well, you know, when, when yan gets his new steering wheel for the uh, for the racing simulator it's not a game grand turismo at the end he's in his room and he gets his new steering wheel it's like you, it's like they've just opened pandora's box or you know the holy grail has come into his being and hey, look i get mm-hmm. to the gamers i i do enjoy gaming that probably is pretty cool but there is a real reverence which feels so tacky especially when he realise this is made by playstation productions or playstation pictures whatever and they even like look at this product look how it will make you feel i don't know john yeah. i didn't i mean the music's fine uh at some point it doesn't look too i didn't mind all of the visual visualizations uh i think the first time that Jan is driving in uh driving his in the game and it becomes a car that looks cool and vice versa on the track when he's on track and it's like him driving on his game it's uh, simulator
0: really badly though story-wise it, The yes
1: the first time is fine but then yeah. you don't need to keep doing it uh performance well, is a fan it, of it's too long john I don't really have an awful lot. I don't want to crap on it too much, but I I don't want to say too much. I sorry, I haven't really got too much to say about it. You do. You love this film by the sounds of it.
0: You brought up the steering wheel, and it's like, okay, so he gets the steering wheel. This is going to be the tool he needs to be able to win the competition. And then he doesn't. It never comes back. It doesn't matter that he got that steering wheel. It It doesn't matter. it, It. I guess you could argue it informs us that he's working a really crappy job, and it took a whole month's paycheck. In order to buy that steering wheel, but like it doesn't play a, a role, it doesn't factor in anywhere. So it's literally just a wasted scene, which is so many of the scenes in this film. It's like they just put it there to put it there, and it, it doesn't it really pay off. On
1: the screen or a QR code where you could order the or, damn thing,
0: or a product placement, as you said. It's and that when product placements are fine in films if they feel natural, but when it feels like nothing more than a a simple ploy to market a product because again the steering wheel is not even the thing that helps him win the race he doesn't even do the the trial race at his house he's doing it at the gaming so it's like why did he why did we have a scene where he gets the steering wheel that's going to make him better than anybody and it doesn't matter um those are things that like that's just crappy writing because, one, if if he didn't actually buy that steering wheel in real life and it's just there for a product placement, that's lame. If he did buy that steering wheel, is it actually a moment in his life that's significant enough to include it in a biopic about him if it doesn't no. play in any – Like, those are – there's so many things like that in this movie that is uh, – especially, again, when it feels long at 2 hours and 15 minutes and you can oh, point yeah. to specific moments that do not pay off for the story, that's a problem. So – the, that's our take. Gran Turismo colon based on a true story is an interesting story in its surface, but it's a skippable movie. I think to both of us, at least it sounds like it.
1: Yeah. I, listen, I, I don't mind a film being based on a popular IP like Gran Turismo. I, I have no issue with that whatsoever. It's the way that it was executed. It is the way that I think they actually, I think they distanced themselves from the game aspect of it. And it became more of a racing game. And I know that it is based on the true story of a guy who was a gamer and became a racer so they have to show both sides but it 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 didn't feel it just didn't feel earnest enough for me didn't feel honest enough it just felt cheap and again i've no problem with a like super mario the film came out this year that one and barbie you know they push their Mm -hmm. product you know tongue-in-cheek or or a very self-aware way or they include it into the story and it just felt a little bit more organic if, if it wasn't played for laughs. Here, nothing felt you know, nothing felt authentic, and that's what that's what that's the worst part. If they could have pulled this off and made it into a really kind of tense driving game and did maybe didn't have it based on the true story, so they could take any liberties they wanted, you'd probably get a better get a better film here, JB. Um and maybe ditched the writers, but there wasn't it there was potential here and it's not because it is a straight it's a video game adaptation nothing to do with that it's just so many balls you know left the court on this so many things were dropped here that i just can't find myself really saying too much about it that was good that was you know that's really it jb yeah
0: it's really it folks we are done we're not doing a spoiler up for uh grand turismo this week because one i think we we talked pretty much about everything we want to It is a true story, so if we did spoil anything, yeah, it's in the trailer, so apologies if you feel like we spoiled the film, but if you saw the trailer, there it is, but we're not doing a spoil-up for this one. Uh, Sorry about that, folks. If you are anticipating it, it's not coming, but let's move on. Okay. Choffed headlines. Choffed headlines, folks. This is movie and pop culture news that caught our attention this week. Um, Matt, you're going up first. What was the headline that grabbed you?
1: The headline I have chosen my friend is one that film fans around the world should unite in glee with. Hopefully it's from the Hollywood reporter by uh, Ryan Giefsky. Michael Fassbender is under the gun in Netflix teaser for David Fincher's the killer. Uh, it goes on to say Charles Parnell and Tilda Swinton also star in the film. That is set to debut at the Venice film festival ahead of its, uh, October twenty seventh, limited theatrical run, and November the tenth, wide Netflix launch. So Fincher is uh, is back. He's back on Netflix as well. Um, and this is a story about uh, the the assassin himself, uh, the killer, Michael Fassbender, who gets embroiled in an international manhunt after a previous job that went wrong. So it sounds like a film we've all seen before, and it also sounds like a very Netflix synopsis. Uh, I've seen many Netflix films, which could probably fall under that, Uh, but it's got Kevin Fincher, uh, sorry, Kevin Fincher. It's got David Fincher directing. It's got Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote seven writing this thing. And you've got, um, Chaffin as producer. You've got, you've got talent. You've got weight behind this, behind the camera. And then of course, in front of the camera, as mentioned, you've got Fazz Bender, you've got Tilda Swinton, you've got Charles Parnell, Sophie Charlotte, Arliss Howard, quality both sides of it Uh, and of course fincher uh, was was three years ago now uh, released mank on netflix which got them 10 oscar noms and two wins so of course that kind of level of success and acclaim would want would make netflix want to work with any director but when it's fincher who i think is one of the best directors out there
0: me too he also did Um, uh what mindhunter he was like executive producer
1: on Point yeah the uh he was exec for that which started in 2017 i think two seasons um but i think michael fassbend michael fassbend is a funny one he's one of those who falls into the category of needs a better agent because
0: mm.
1: uh, sometimes because he's such a good actor yeah he yeah. does such bad films sometimes like some of the x-men films it's not his fault but he did that snowman film which is horrific and he's done a few other films similarly to it but i watched the trailer for this um,
0: assassin's creed Sass-
1: Again, another video game adaptation which just didn't yep. work. Um, so, this film, as we mentioned, is debuting at um, the Venice Film Festival on September the 3rd and it's premiering in competition. They've put it up against the big guns. Uh, I've watched a trailer for this and I think it looks very good. It's got, you know, we mentioned uh during our uh, Fantasia Fest, we were talking about another film which had Fincher qualities to it and they are all in this trailer. It feels like a Fincher film through and through. And it's based on a. Uh, Some graphic novels, I believe. Um, I haven't got that information in front of me, but I believe it's based on uh, graphic novels. It is graphic novel series of the same name by Alexis Nolent. And it was originally a French graphic novel. But yeah, I've seen the trailer for this. It's out there now. It came out this morning, this afternoon. Uh, I think it looks very good, but without knowing more, I can't really of content too much on the story. However, Fazbender, Fincher, Thriller, seven screenwriter yeah i think seven is damn near flawless and if you can get that any kind, if you can get anywhere near the level of that kind of quality for me we've got a win here mank wasn't everybody's cup of tea but it was a critical darling yeah, whether this like will be it. as claimed who knows i hope it will be will be we'll, uh, we'll find out in a week's time when it does premiere at venice but i enjoyed the trailer jb uh, are you excited for the upcoming david fincher flick
0: Anything Fincher's attached to, I'm usually going to be on board with. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, In fact, it's interesting timing because this week, uh, Blank Check, my my the podcast that I listen to the most, um, announced that after the Park Chan-wook series, uh, we're jumping into David Fincher. And nice. it's one of the first times in a while where they picked a director who I've already seen his entire filmography except for this movie because it's not out yet. Um, but I have I recently just watched uh, Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Remember, I just checked that off the list this year. Um, it was the only film of his I had not watched, and now I've seen it. So I've seen every movie Fincher's directed, and I like every movie he's directed. I don't love every movie. Like, I find something to take away, even Alien 3, right? Um, the director's cut, which is supposed to be the, uh, the, if you're gonna watch it, the way to watch it. Um, I'm hyped for it. Uh, I like Fast Thunder. I keep waiting, you know, I think when he's used well he is incredible. Um, mm-hmm. and then yeah, he does he does take some roles. The thing about him though is um there's a there's a humble quality that I don't think we give enough credit to sometimes with film with actors. Some actors oh, are maybe that. a little too pretentious or precious with what roles they take. And then you have like Samuel L. Jackson, right, who does everything. He's always a professional. He always brings his A game. And I think Fastbender is in that kind of wheelhouse like he even the movies that aren't great he generally seems to give it his all like Assassin's Creed it's not his fault the movie's not good he's doing stuff the movie's just like they didn't get the video game almost like it's like eh, it's not working so uh, that's and i didn't see the snowman movie uh because i heard it was just yeah. so 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 bad,
1: so bad. Uh, I, I might be wrong but i i don't i'm not sure we really hear him kind of dunking on his projects as well even the ones that aren't great he's a pro as far as i'm aware he's a pro through and through when it comes to his profession
0: yeah and so you know it's easy uh to forget that there are some actors who are who do take it as a job but they take it you know very seriously as a job like they they yes. if a movie's offered to them they're gonna do it they're going to give it their all, though. They're going to earn their paycheck. And that's one of, the, like, when I was a kid, I used to write Samuel L. Jackson off because he did, like, Snakes on a Plane and stuff. Um, and now I've he's become, like, I think he's maybe the best actor ever. Like, he's always there. And I've heard, like, the stories around his professionalism so strong. So I'd like to dig that, dig a little deeper into Fastbender and see if he is, what I'm saying here, if he is, like, uh, Samuel in that he's, yes, he takes some, some questionably... bad films at times where you're like why did you take that but if if he's always bringing his a game then i think it's all right because like nick cage is the the other side of that coin right where like he takes a lot of movies and doesn't always bring his a game i think he often brings his a game but he definitely there's movies where you can see him i think he has said publicly that he doesn't phone it in but there are some films where it feels like he's phoning it in a little bit bruce willis i think would be the epitome of that pre- uh, his diagnosis, but where he, you can tell yeah. when he cared about a project and when he was just doing it for the paycheck. Um, and Fastbender so far, I, most of the movies that I've seen him in that aren't good. He's, he's bringing a day game. So one way or the other, I, I can't imagine Fincher ever giving us a terrible film. Um, Cause at the very least you're going to get his, his style, right. And his style for me just works. Like it's always really compelling and interesting, but I, I also like, I'm, the, the trailer looks... I didn't watch it with sound on. I just like watched it while you were talking. It looks cool to me. It's got the Fincher aesthetic that I like, yeah. so I'm, I'm in.
1: Yeah, not long to go. Uh, debut first reactions will be out from September the 3rd. October the 27th is when it's having a limited theatrical run. November the 10th, guys, that's when we can see it and hopefully lives up to the rest of his filmography. But that's what I went for this week, JB. A bit of Fincher. I, I went
0: uh for um, a preview article about the upcoming fall horror films. I thought, hey, Woo-hoo! what an appropriate topic to bring up. Um, This article seems to cover pretty extensively all major horror films coming out, whether it's a limited run or straight to streaming. So I'm just going to read through the list real fast. And then if there's any that stand out that you want to like you're hyped for or you're really the opposite, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, God, I can't believe we have to watch this, especially I got like two that I'm like, oh, no. But here we go. Uh, The Nun 2. Oh, and this is, uh, I believe, chronological. I think this is kind of in the order in which they're coming out. Um, The Nun 2. Satanic Hispanics, which is in a limited release only. A Haunting in Venice, which I still can't believe is going to be a full-on horror, but apparently it is. Um, Elevator Game, which is going to Shudder. Uh, It Lives Inside. I've already seen. Very good movie. Can't recommend it enough. I think you've also seen that one. Saw X. Saw 10. I don't know what we're supposed to call this anymore. Uh, I'm going to go Saw X. totally killer on prime i can't believe this is a thing pet cemetery bloodlines uh which will be Jesus. on paramount plus um it's a i think a prequel to pet cemetery uh, where it's i guess the other things that have been buried there um mm. 85 super hype for that because i like 94 a lot um mm-hmm. i am surprised we're going back didn't we already go 80s and then to the 90s and now we're going back to the 80s uh
1: i'm pretty sure we did yeah
0: that seems weird. So now I'm I'm less I'm less hyped. But I, I've liked a lot of the VHS series, so I'm still like okay, I like it. Uh, anthologies are always hit or miss. There's going to be good and bad. So uh, if you haven't seen any of the VHS listener, I highly recommend checking out the first one. Um, I think the second one's got at least a couple of good shorts, and mm-hmm. I I've not watched the viral one. I don't think, which is the like it was more like YouTube stuff. But I've watched both of the um, the yeared VHS films, and I like both of those. Not all. Again, there stories. there are bad ones. But the good ones are good. Like the the shorts at work are really good. Um, the Exorcist believer, Dear David, I I've completely forgot what that movie is. Five Nights at Freddy's, Suitable Flesh, and the new Eli Roth film that he left Borderlands to do uh, Thanksgiving. So, right. what I'm hyped for before you say, um, yes, very very hyped uh, for the one that I never thought I would say. I'm hyped for Five Nights at Freddy, man. The trailer is great. Like, I one, I don't think Josh Hutcherson gets enough work. I, I tend to like him and stuff. He was like, he really won me over in the first Hunger Games films. I don't think he's so good in the second and third film, but I don't think those films are good. Um i uh, he's obviously in Polar Express, but I don't you know, it's not he's just doing the motion cap. But I, I don't know, I like him and he's totally got Devin Sawa vibes in in this, like old school yeah. Devin Sawa vibes. So it's like hitting my '90s nostalgia button like real hard, and uh, the the I never played any of those games. My daughter did. My daughter loved those games when, when she was young. So like I've I've always been aware of it, and I had wrote off when they started trying to do it, and then when they did Willy's Wonderland, I was like, well, here you go, we got it. This is it, right? And I like Willy's Wonderland. I thought it was fun. This looks better, and Matthew Lillard's in it, and looks like he's ready to like, like he's already promoting it on social media and stuff, like you know, the return of the horror king and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm like, I can't wait to see this movie. I'm kind of hyped about it. And then, um, you know what? That's it. All the other ones sound like trash to me. So, you know, uh, except for It Lives Inside. But I've seen that one. So that feels like it'd be cheating. But I, everyone, be hyped for It Lives Inside. It's not getting nearly enough promotion. That movie is real good. It's from it, Neon picked it up and distributing it. I little biased. I did meet the director. The dude's super cool. So I definitely want to promote his movie for him. But it's also good. If it were bad, I wouldn't talk about it it's because i met him and it's good and that he was like one of the most down-to-earth people i could have met who has now got a movie being released by neon it's kind of shocking to me and i want people to see it i don't think it's getting enough promotion so it lives inside definitely worth checking out matt on this list i know you are super hyped for the nun 2 and for thanksgiving now what, what are you excited I'm about looking.
1: <laughs> Nearly did swear at you then. Um well on uh It Lives Inside, totally agree. Really, really enjoyed that when I saw it at Fantasia. It's uh it's a nice kind of it's a nice cultural twist on a story we've seen before and I think it works very well, so do go check that out. Uh the nun 2 I received my invite to the multimedia screening in London and almost died inside reading it. I was like, kind of wanna go and watch it now but uh, early just so I can get it done with. But uh yeah, not interested in the <laughs> in nun too, but I'll probably go and watch it early anyway. Um Let's have a look. was. obviously the exorcist believer I've mentioned that ad nauseum. I'm excited with um, triple the amounts of fear that it is just going to be David Gordon green, Halloween ends, Halloween kills level. Uh, and Hey, look, I get it. Halloween ends. They tried something new respect for that. It was just awful. I don't think that's going to be good. I really, really hope believer is going to be good. I hope to all hope. I hope to Pazuzu himself. That is going to be good, but I don't think it will be. Um, so what else am I looking forward to on that list? Uh, Satanic Hispanics. I received an email about that yesterday. I think it was or today. And just the title itself made me think that could be fun. So I might request that and check that out. A Haunting in Venice. Ah, if they're saying it's going to be straight up horror, that gives me hope because I think the premise is there. But then you you got to mix in the Hercule Poirot side of it and you've got to tone that a bit as well because it's been awful for the last two films. murder on the orient express was okay death on an eye wasn't i i wish this was wasn't yeah oh, i can't it, I, I, we'll see i hope uh looking down the list nothing else really jumps out five nights at Freddy's for the reasons you mentioned Willy's wonderland was pretty cool um you had a mute nicholas cage just going ham but five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, there's a lot of hype for this. Blum, Blumhouse seems to know its audience. They seem to know what people want from this film. I think they're going to give it to people. Whether or not that's make it a good film or not is yet to be seen. Uh, the v- VHS uh, is well. I'm looking forward to that. I've just gone off the notes. VHS 85. Yeah, exactly what you said. All of the films are pretty solid. Each each anthology has got at least one, if not two, really, really solid, creepy entries. And maybe there's one in each, which is a kind of a bit, yeah, that's fine. But for the vast majority of them are pretty damn good. And I, I love a horror anthology anyway. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. sort of subgenres of horror is the anthology, especially when they do tie into each other like these ones do, uh, or at least the stories in their own separate anthologies do. And I'll just be some, some of the upcoming ones I wasn't overly familiar with. So I had a quick look whilst you were talking. Totally killer. Could be good. It's a horror comedy film. Stars Keenan and Shipka, uh, Olivia Holt and Randall Park it's uh after after oh. one of the girls mothers is murdered by the sweet 16 killer on halloween she travels back in time to 87 where she must stop the young would-be killer and get back to her timeline before she's trapped could be good might not be yeah thanksgiving that can that can get in the bin straight away
0: eli roth so, man.
1: addison ray and patrick dempsey nothing good is going to come from this film also um,
0: i i didn't realize it but that's based on the trailer he cut for the uh the Grindhouse films. There was yes. the Thanksgiving thing, and this is finally actually happening, which I'm just like, oh, okay. Just
1: uh, Eli, the Eli Rothiness of it all is what kind of put uh, the uh, Addison dude, Ray put it off, because I've I just seen a film with Jerry Halliwell, and I don't
0: want to get any lower than that. Dude, I don't understand the love for Roth. Like, I don't... I think it's I'm glad him. he loves movies. He's a bit icky. Yeah, and I've I've never been impressed with his movies. Like, I'm always like, okay i guess like and i don't mean to diss him it's just like why does he keep getting to do these things because like the one mainstream movie that he really did was the house with the clock in its walls and it's so like black i don't get it yeah. i don't get the love for him um,
1: yeah no i get nothing against him he just seems a bit on the michael bay school of vicky uh dear david i thought oh that could be quite good and then i read a synopsis uh it's by uh, buzzfeed studios and lions game like, buzzfeed youtube then i read the oh. premise the premise is former buzzfeed employee adam ellis becomes haunted by the ghost of a boy possessed by a demonic benign da- demonic entity um it's apparently based on the true story of adam ellis who describes his encounter with the ghost i just don't like former buzzfeed employee I, don't, I did not need to know that as part of the premise that all immediately makes it just sound tacky uh elevator game as well it's a Shudder film so it could go one of two ways it could be a little hidden gem or it could just be a bit ropey uh, this one i think sounds quite good a teen links the mysterious disappearance of his sister to a supernatural game that's played in elevators weird sounding game but I'm hoping that that one is going to be pretty solid. But I'll tell you now, JB, I'll tell you something for free. For this horror-loving guy here, I've said it before, most of my Blu-rays I'm looking at and DVDs, most of them are horror. I love horror. The the good, the bad, and the ugly. Nothing, Not, not one film here makes me excited, as in other than The Exorcist Believer, but that's for different reasons. Nothing here actually makes me excited, excited. There are films which I think could be good, uh, and there are some which I think will be awful, but there's not one on there, which I think that is the one that is going to, I'm going to be there in October you know, dressed up as Ghostface or something, Michael Myers. And I'm, and I'm excited for it. Hopefully one of them comes out and becomes the next big thing or, or, or at least the next big standalone horror film. I mean, five nights of Freddy's should be a lot of fun, but I'm not wildly anticipating it. Um, and any, and any of the other ones, even I mean, suitable flesh might be good. I don't know. I just, some of them just feel a little bit, sort of what do we put sort of kind of smushed together for the for the season, if you know what I mean. Like some of some of these sound like Thanksgiving. Dear David, you could throw that in there as well, I think. Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, they just feel like studios i said, right, we need films for October. It's horror month. Give me something. You kind of throw these things together. Um I don't know. Uh we'll we'll see. VHS eighty five, I'm looking forward to that. But there's none here, JB, as a man who loves horror more than anything there's not one on that list, which makes me excited. It's not one that stands out of other than the exorcist believer. And again, that is because it's the the best film ever written. And this one is probably going to be a train wreck, but I'm excited to see how the train wrecks.
0: Well, let's see what happens. It is kind of a lackluster fall lineup for horror, especially after the years we've had these like really incredible horror films. Um, There's, there's potential, but like a lot of it does feel like, not the best especially leading into maybe that will change but yeah maybe maybe it'll it'll change change. um or maybe all these movies will get delayed because of the strikes who knows um so with that let's move into media consumption this is movies video games uh tv etc that we use to pass the time between recordings um matt what have you been consuming since the last time we recorded uh my
1: consuming has been consisting of Nightmare on Film Street podcast, my horror, one of my horror go-tos alongside Dead Meat and The Horror Show. Uh, I listened to that this week. They covered Wes Craven's Summer of Fear, which is fine. But uh, I just like hearing the guys talking about horror. Uh, I to watched Double Toasted on YouTube and haven't really caught up on any other uh any other pods i haven't really been going anywhere i haven't been driving anywhere this this past week so i haven't had my usual long old commute to listen to things so just nightmare on film street this week really in terms of films i watched strays the new film Hmm. about dogs um are we covering that on this show
0: no it's 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 been out for two i still haven't seen it but it's been out for two weeks It, it, it fell to the wayside
1: good because i thought it was awful um Ah. i I don't want to talk about it it's it it, it's got one joke in it which again the trailers have shown us and they just play on that and it gets so thin so quickly jb and i know it's one which you said it could be you know it could be good daft fun but it just it tries for me it tries too hard and the premise of just like raunchy dogs and just you know -er 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 found mouth animals dogs it after not I mean, it doesn't take long for it to joke to wear very thin and it just becomes unfunny so strays didn't work for me but it seems to be working for most people one in one and two seems to really dig this looking at it online but um i also watched a film called uh, i've had it in my inbox for ages because i actually requested it and then forgot it was in there and then got an email about whether i watched it like, oh yeah i watched it i didn't so i watched it this week it's called mother may i it's directed by Lawrence Vanicelli. Star It stars Kyle Golner and Holland Roden, who I wasn't as familiar with. I think Kyle Golner's is a very cool actor. He, I, I think he's, cool. he's somebody who has a really good presence, similarly to what Fassbender says. I have I follow him online, and even when the films he is in don't do well with fans online, he's very gracious back, and he never dunks on the films he's been in, which is something which I which I do respect. And I think he seems like a cool dude. Uh, mother May I, it's about a, uh, when Emmett, who's played by Kyle Golner, his fiance starts behaving like his recently deceased mother. It opens up traumatic wounds from the past. And it's, uh, it's more about kind of deep seated trauma, grief, repressed emotion, and stuff like that, than it is anything else. Less horror, more, drama slash horror. But I thought it was pretty good. Um I was uh expecting a little bit more from it, but it was it was okay. If you if you like slow burning horror films which lean away from horror and more into drama, you probably like this film, but I thought it's pretty good. Holland Rodin's pretty good in it as well, actually. Um I also watched The Lesson as well. This was at I think it was at Tribeca this year when we were covering it, but uh it wasn't available for uh digital screeners. It's the new film from Alice Troughton what drew me to it, JP, Julie Delpy, Richard D e. Grant. I was like, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Those two together. Great. And then Daryl McCormack is in it as well. Who I think is a fabulous, um, up and coming actor who he was yeah. in. Good luck to Leo you. Grant, Leo Brand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. He was so good in that film. Um, yeah, he was. That, that's, that's a film which was well-written. and like the one we spoke about tonight. Uh, the lesson, yep. uh, what is it about? It's a thriller film. Um, Daryl McCormack plays a guy called Liam, who's a, who's a young writer. He's got his masters from university and he accepts a tutoring position at the estate of his idol. Who's a renowned author, uh, J M Sinclair, who's played by Richard E. Grant. Uh, Richard E. Grant in this film is deliciously despicable. He's not really he's just an awful person, but he's one of those people that kind of, kind of want to see more of him. But when he's off screen, you think, yeah, bring him back on. Cause he kind of brings a life to this film. um, but eventually Liam realizes that there's a there's more to this tutoring job than meets the eye. He's stuck in this web of family family issues, shall we say? Um, and it's it's pretty good. Um, again, this is another film like Mother May where it almost feels restrained. Almost, it's 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 well paced. The music's fantastic, and the performances are very good. <laughs> Richard E. Grant's very good alongside Daryl McCormack. I wish uh, Julie Delpy as well was, was very good in a role which I think in lesser hands would have been a little bit more dramatic and a little bit more shouty. I think she's very good in this. Um, I just wish that the screenplay had just gone just a little bit further. It feels it feels a little too restrained in the thriller aspect of what it's trying to say. And things just happen a little bit too, too neatly in as, as it goes on to really kind of feel thrilling but it's 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 a very well acted very well written um it's not quite a chamber piece but it's not far off being one uh so i saw that and it was pretty good so uh, this week's films uh, other than strays have been pretty good jb uh, and i've started playing jedi survivor again on hard mode because i said i was i was I had a free weekend this weekend um i had a ship i had a 3d sh- print uh 3d model ship printed for me by my buddy And I got my my old man dad to paint it because he's been painting ships for and airplanes for 50 years now, I think. I was like, can you make this look like that in the (coughs) game? Fantastic job doing it. So I thought, oh, wow, I've got the ship now. I'm going to go and play the game again. Um, So I don't necessarily intend on completing it, if that makes sense. I don't sound stupid. I just wanted to be back in that world again. Um, So, yeah, mixed bag up and down, JB. Um, Got a few things lined up to watch this week that I'm potentially excited for. But to dangle the carrot, I'll save all that for next week, John. One of them is probably The Nun 2, which, yeah. But what about yourself, JB? What have you been checking out this week?
0: Um, Not a lot. Uh, I've been busy, and also I didn't have internet for two nights, so that didn't seem to distract me from uh, watching stuff. But listen to the new episode of Blank Check. Uh, They were covering um, The Handmaiden, uh, Park Channel Mm -hmm. second to last uh, film so far, Um, which is, I think, I think it's his best. Uh it's incredible. So the podcast episode oh, also very you. good. Um I did watch last week and my review is up at Disappointment Media. Um Nandor Fodor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose, which is Simon Pegg wow. so that was what drew me in. Um a really cool uh based on a true story type movie which isn't in the title. Um uh, I didn't know much about Nandor Fodor until this, uh, and like that, uh, he was a real like para- paranormal psychologist um, who would go looking to explain, uh, un, you know, super phenomena uh, in real ways. And it was, it's a dark comedy, but a lot of fun. Uh, Peg is doing a a Hungarian accent. Oh, wow, and I don't know, man, it worked. Uh, I liked it. Um, Mini Driver is his assistant. Um, Christopher Lloyd plays another psychologist that like kind of sets him on this case. Uh, he has a couple of other scenes, but he's mostly not in the film. But it, it's it's Christopher Lloyd. He's doing the Lloyd kind of over the top thing. I, I I like the movie. Uh, my full review's up there. Um, it it also does though. It has a not quite a Glass Onion or Knives Out to- like it doesn't quite hit those comedic strengths, but it has that kind of aesthetic that we also saw. I like, can see how they run. Um, and even in the uh, the Kenneth Branagh, Agatha Christie stuff that we've been getting, that that look is present. There is this mystery kind of vibe to it that feels of that that era. Uh, it works. Um, I like that look. It just kind of clicks for me. Uh, which I guess kind of leads into why I think this series, Only Murders in the Building, is one of the best TV series currently on that not enough people are watching. It's on Hulu. Um short 22 to 30 minute episodes season one is amazing season two is also great season three has paul rudd and meryl streep in it guys like i saw meryl streep yeah. it's incredible that the the cast that they've pulled and um and yet they stay true to the the core three like it is it is selena gomez steve martin and martin shorts show yet you still get these two you know i mean paul rudd i don't know if you can compare him to meryl streep but for me He's at that level. Like, I, if Paul Rudd's name is on something, I'm like, I'm going to watch that because I like Paul Rudd a lot, you know? Yeah. And I was already into the show. Uh, season three has been great so far. Uh, highly, highly recommend people check it out. But that's pretty much it. I've, I've played Dead Space some more. I, I'm kind of taking it slow with Dead Space. Those games stress me out a lot, but I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, but, like, I do get, like, very, like, okay, I, I can't handle this right now. But, uh, But, yeah, that's what I've been consuming.
1: Not as shorter than usual, but um yeah. lack of internet will do that.
0: Yeah, and I just, well, I think my my upcoming element will mm-hmm. maybe explain some of that too. But folks, before we leave, we got to check in with each other. We got to make sure we're doing something to keep our bloody awesome levels optimal. So Matt, I need to know, how are you staying bloody awesome this week?
1: John, I'm being, I'm being cultured. I'm uh, I'm Ooh. feeling continental uh, this week. Well, I, I try, JB. Uh, so this week about, I've been a be fair, It's been a month or so, but this week I am um le di italiano. But do you know what that means,
0: JB? Don't of you? course. What I does do, it mean? John? Only because uh, uh, it means uh, recommencing Italian lessons.
1: See, he he. The guy knows it. JB's had too many meatball marinaras not to know what that means. But um, yeah, I've. Um, yeah, I remember mentioning oh, a few months ago now that I had an app. I think it's Buzu app. Uh, other apps are available where I was learning Italian, kind of based off the fact that I work with an Italian, and I think the, um, I think the accent and the language is very cool. But I've just been going back and learning more and more things, and then coming into work the next day trying to have a mild conversation with my Italian friend Tony, uh, to mixed but more positive success. And by conversation, I mean, I will say something in Italian. He'll say it back. I'll look slightly puzzled and try and think of a word to say back. But um, if I was to say to you, JB, uh, come a Dante la serata? You'd say.
0: Oh, I'd say nothing. I have no idea what that means.
1: He says, how was your evening? That means.
0: Oh, uh, okay. If I, if I said,
1: and I promise you, I'm not, I promise you, I, I, I'm, well, I won't say that, but on my family's life that I'm not reading this. But if I said, say uno stolone to you, to, um, my man, what would, what would you think? I said, say Uno Stallone. One pizza. <laughs> yes, and lasagna. No, this is a true statement. This is this. That is, you are a stallion in Italian. Uh, so when I see JB, I think is hey, say Uno Stallone.
0: That's interesting. That Sylvester Stallone's character Rocky is the Italian mm-hmm. stallion, and it sounds like Stallone. It's-
1: Hey. exactly you know sylvester he's got it, he's got it where it counts up there in the brain box there and mm-hmm. if i said um uh yo ete per sempre it means john it means you and me forever that's what we do oh. here on the bump uh yo ete yo per sempre if there's an italian's listening hopefully you understood some of that but uh, anyway short long story very short cut that short been recommencing italian uh and in the in the hope that someday i can actually learn another language is something i've wanted to do but never been able to because i don't think i'm clever enough but i'm thinking no no i'm gonna try because i want to be able to finally answer the question is you know what's your secret talent what's something about me you don't know or something so will actually listen to this and then when the other person doesn't know what the hell i'm on about they hopefully they will at least look impressed but uh, so that's what i've been doing jb uh trying to learn another language but um what about yourself yours is slightly more um it's like bigger than mine.
0: Well, I don't mean to to make it bigger, but no, it is. Um, f- folks, for the years that you've listened to this podcast, I have uh, taught at one, one school, um, but I also have mentioned that I teach uh, night classes at a college. Um, when I got my master's degree in 2016, I, I had hoped to one day be a full-time college professor, and that is now the case. Um, uh, the next episode, I will have started at my new job, but I am switching jobs for the first time in 13 years. Um, I've been at one place for 13 full years. And while I will be continuing to work at the college that I was already at, I will now be in a full-time capacity. So it is a big life-changing decision. um, I think mostly for the better. Uh, It is always scary. Change is scary to me. um, So I can't help that. Uh, And it is extremely hard to say goodbye to my students. And there's a chance if you are listening to this episode because I'm leaving and I made a joke um, that if you ever need to hear my voice, uh, you can always listen to the podcast. I didn't say the name of the podcast because I'm not that, sh- uh, but I am not good at product placement. Um, Grant Turismo, maybe oh, you can yeah. help me out. But uh, it, it's been a, a long week um, between the emotions of making the decision about leaving and, actually having to tell people that I'm leaving. And then the last two days I've had to tell my students, um, at my longtime job that I will no longer be their teacher, uh, which is not ideal at this time of like two weeks through three or four weeks into school to have to like, okay, well, nice to meet you. I'm out. Um, it wasn't my intention. I I had hoped that I would have been able to, uh, know I had this job during the summer so that I could have, you know, cut it off beforehand. On the other hand, it has been, it's, it's one of the things that I've, you realize when you're doing it, but like now that I'm, I'm leaving and I'm telling my, my coworkers that I'm leaving, I'm telling my students I'm leaving. It's when people feel they, they can finally tell you how much you mean to them. You know what I'm saying? Like now that you're going, they feel like they have to like, thank you so much for being this, or you've been this to me, or I've thought of this. And it's been great to hear the kind words. Um, it does make me also like sad that we don't tell people enough. And I'm guilty of this too, mind you that how they that like how we view them, how they make us feel um, because people like to hear that. Uh, and sometimes we need to hear that um, when you, you work so hard and you don't feel like maybe people are acknowledging that you're working that hard and then you go to leave or you quit because of that. And they're like, Oh, but we loved you. It's like, Oh, It didn't feel that way all the time. That's not entirely true here. I definitely felt like my students loved me, and I thought some of my coworkers liked me. But the kind words have been excellent. Um, To my students who maybe are listening to this, who I really hurt um, because I'm leaving, they are devastated, upset. I I am sorry. And that was never my intention. Um, But I hope that uh, my time there was was... well spent and the people who've learned from me, uh, will continue to teach people all the things about movies. And hopefully, um, my next career, uh, shift will continue to be the positive one that it feels like it's going to be, but that's, um, you know, in life, sometimes we got to make some major changes and this is one for me. It's it's a big one.
1: It is a big one, JP, and it's never easy changing job after one year, five year, ten years, especially when it's a professional job uh, and a profession which I know how much you enjoy, and especially the fact that you'll get to film, uh, to get to teach something you love for yeah. a for, ye- for, for for years worth of students. Or I know me in the world too. I don't know how much it's uh, played on your mind, my man. So it's uh, it's obviously for me, it's great, you know, to hear. You, you st- you're getting yeah. a, n- a new opportunity. You're doing. You've got a new. Uh, a uh, direction to take, but you've of course at the same time you're leaving a lot behind. And whilst I don't know, I've never been in one place for 10 years, i, I we we've all we've kind of all been there and done that, but to that level that you've had is uh, it's obviously pretty tough. So, uh, I hope I'm sure your students uh, they are going to miss you. They know Mr. Burke was the best of the bunch out there. Um, but you're right, yes, yeah, let's all be good to each other and tell each other how much tell each other how much we love each other, how much we respect each other, and don't just leave it until it's too late however i'm glad you have had that outpouring of support which you uh so richly deserve my friend
0: thank you sir i appreciate it um so folks that is our episode for gran turismo colon based on a true story apparently um we'll be back next week because again no spoiler episode this week we'll be back next week covering a new antoine fuqua movie with denzel so it, Mm. it has to be good right you think equalizer three Mm. it happened because after the second one we all were like hey we getting any more of them equalizers because pedro pascal died in a hurricane in that movie i've been waiting
1: for this film for years john don't 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 play this down i've been counting down the minutes to see what (laughs) happens in the third installment Uh, of the ever popular equalizer franchise from denzel antoine
0: you must have given yourself nine seconds to wait <laughs> for this film. Something. <laughs> um, yeah, folks, I the first Equalizer was good, I think. I kind of liked it. I mean, yes. It's fine. The second one was ridiculous. And the third one's looking like that's going to have that vibe. And apparently there's a chance we're going to get a prequel with D. H. Denzel Washington. Cause that's the thing. Oh, I that heard that his son was
1: going to play him as well. And I was like, do you know what? I don't want either of those things. Nope. <laughs> stop.
0: I like John David Washington, but he is not his father. Like he is his own thing. So he should not play. And he'll say that. as well.
1: and, and Yeah. I bet this is going to be two hours and 30 minutes long as well. I don't even look, but you know, it's going to be too no, long.
0: It's yeah. The second one was long. There, it is a hurricane, right? Like, I'm pretty sure it's a hurricane that happens yeah. at the end of two or, it's, or tornadoes. It's bad. It's a bad movie, guys. Two sucked. Uh, I don't know if three is going to be good, but we're going to talk about it next week. Hopefully it's good. I like Denzel a lot. Like I I mean, he's always going to get a thumbs up from me, but it's still like, why why is this happening? Anyways, Wait, in, the in the meantime, if you want to yell at us about our, our take on Gran Turismo or my pr- uh, pre- I guess my prediction about my love of equalizer three, assuming that I actually can go to the movies this weekend. Cause hurricane, um, I'll have to wait and see, uh, you can follow us on social media on Instagram. We're at bloody awesome movie pod also threads. Cause that's just Instagram's Twitter. Where can they find us on X Matt?
1: Uh, you can find us at BAMP underscore podcast B A M P underscore podcast.
0: We're on Facebook. Just search bloody awesome movie podcast. Um, we are Rotten Tomatoes approved podcast so we're going to be probably bringing that 60% down another notch or two for Gran Turismo but <laughs> yeah. you can see our 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 ratings on that site as well um individually you can find me at burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all these social media platforms Matt where can they find you
1: you can find me what i watch UK and just search what i watch tonight across all the social medias including letterboxed.
0: And if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you take a moment and give us that five-star rating on whatever podcast catcher you use to listen because it helps other people find the show. And that's all we really want. We just want people to hear our thoughts on Gran Turismo, based Mm. on a true story, and other movies that we talk about on this podcast for the last six years. With that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And
1: stay bloody awesome.